I'll start off with a prayer. Lord, uh, you know what we talked about, me talking about, but if you got something else in mind, um, uh, I'm here. Tell me, tell me what to say, and, um, and I'll let you navigate this conversation. In your name, amen. Um, well, first of all, thank you, worship team. Um, thank you, James, again, for the intro, and thank you, worship team. Congratulations. Um, you just did the most important thing you're going to do today. We had a, uh, Heather and I had a pastor once named Bob Hasty that said the worship team was the only people that got to keep their job in heaven, which I thought was pretty cool. And um, if you're like me and can't sing, worship can be kind of hard, and you have to um, maybe set aside the fact that you're hearing yourself sing. I literally can't sing, like you know James said. Um, I wasn't in a boy band, but um, <laughs> but God really doesn't care if you can sing by the world's standards. He's looking in here, and it's your opportunity to to have a relationship with Him. When um, I volunteered to speak today, it was a couple of months ago, and Jeff said, do you want me there the first time you talk to the church? And I said, it's your car, man. Like, you're the one that's going to have to deal with the dents and the scratches when you get it back. <laughs> so I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's not here today. He did. He's awesome. As you guys know, he sent me a text this morning, said, praying for you. And, um, and I said, how about Andy Luck retiring? And he said, uh, yeah, that's somebody who's going to have to navigate change. And I said, yeah, navigate change in $100 million. So um, uh, when Jeff introduced the series Navigating Change, my brain always sees pictures. And I just uh, thought of kind of a nautical setting or, um, or a long hike. Those are the two things that came in to my mind. A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, Jeff talked about the two different types of change. Um, and uh, there's one that's forced upon you, like, say, illness, and then there's another that you choose. So I'm going to talk about the latter because that's an area where I have some, some recent experience with. Um, and I want to start by saying uh, the single most important decision you have to make on this planet is whether or not to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I know it's a little, look, I've heard a lot of sermons in my day. It's kind of, it's inverse to put that at the beginning. But there's a saying in media called burying the lead, where you take the main story and you, you put it like the third or fourth thing. Um, and since we're talking about navigating change, that is uh, the most important decision you have to make. And this sermon isn't, isn't about that. There's no, there's no altar call in it. But if, if, you're, uh, if you haven't made that decision or if you're in the place where a lot of Christians have been before you where you're not sure if you've made it, um, Heather and I are in the directory. You can, you can send me an email, send me a text. Um, Jeff, Tracy, James, Amy, any other Christian that you know, um, any of us, it's kind of in our job description. We'd be happy to sit down with you over coffee and answer any questions um, that you have. Um, so going back to this visual I had in um, sailing or, or taking a, a long hike, um, what do you need if you're, if you're actually navigating something like that? And back before GPS and, and smartphones, you need a map and a compass. And um, I think this is a pretty good map as Christians, um, the Bible. And for a compass, uh, the Holy Spirit is, is what we have to, to guide us and to tell us when we're, when we're going north, east, west, or south. Um, John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. It is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So it's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, How do we tune into that frequency? How do we get this real-time access to Jesus um, throughout our day? Well, to give you some background, James talked about me meeting Heather in in Sunday school. Um, I guess the way to kind of describe my faith, my testimony, is I accepted Jesus so early that I can't remember. Um, I think the story basically went, my mom asked me if I met Jesus every day after I got off the bus. And at some point I said yes, and I think I was so young that I just decided that no wasn't the right answer anymore. Um, and, uh, but eventually, you know, we found a church, and then we found another church, and I was in a youth group. And I do remember making a personal dis- decision somewhere in there to, to follow Jesus. But I was also uh, going to public high school, and I had non-Christian friends, and um, and. I found myself, like a lot of young Christians, kind of living in, in separate places. I think it's easy to get indignant as Christians with Peter, you know, like, how could you do that? You know, you said you wouldn't leave him. Um, I wouldn't have been in that room. I would have been long gone. The rooster would have been in REM sleep. I would have been out of there. Like, there was no way that I was standing up um, for Christ at, at that level. Um, I kind of describe myself as a Venn diagram. Um, if you're not sure what that is, it's, it's like at least two circles, if not more, that overlap. So there's a part of the circle that's the same, and then there's parts of outside the circle that are different. So there was, we used to joke, there was work mic, there was family mic, there was weekend mic, there was friends mic. There were all, all these different versions of me, and at the center, there was, there was some sameness. Um, but there were, there were a lot of differences. Uh, James mentioned that I worked for a finance company. Um, I worked just to, to keep that brief. Um, it was like a trading desk, and um, there were uh, stressful situations where a lot of financial risk was at stake, and, um, and I kind of had a nose for sniffing that out and avoiding problems. So I, I, I was good at it. I was naturally good at it. Um, and that made me successful from the company's standards. One good thing about the company is they gave us a sabbatical. So every 10 years, um, you got six weeks off. And we planned a lot of fun during our six weeks off. And Heather and I um, got to talking. Um, like this crust started to come off me after a couple of weeks. And people said, wow, it's, you know, it's like permanent weekend, Mike. And I was like, well, no, this is me without all that garbage. And um, we started to talk. Basically, the theme was this has been a good 10 years, um, but I don't want another 10 years like this. And uh, also, I don't want to get another 10 years down the line and go, well, how did we get here? Like, this is just a different problem. I wanted God to be in the middle of our decision. That's as much as I knew. I didn't, I didn't really know anything else. It was like, don't like this, want different. No, I'm not smart enough to figure out what different is. Um, and uh, so in terms of the Holy Spirit being in our compass, there's a couple of things you should know. Um, we serve a God that's listening. 
if you humble yourself and had, hand God the reins, it might not go exactly how you expect. Because I wanted different circumstances. And the Holy Spirit said the first circumstance we have to change is your heart. And um, when I mentioned that I was so young when I accepted Jesus that I didn't remember, there was always kind of a part of me that was jealous of people that I knew that had these radical moments and, and had been completely changed, like they were an immediate different person when they got saved. Well, um, through this process um, of Heather and I starting, starting to pray, uh, the best way to describe it is I just changed. I started crying more. I'm hoping that you don't get a witness that this morning, because hashtag ugly crier. Uh, and I can't talk and cry at the same time. I'm not one of them. So um, we had a deal. Uh, <laughs> no tears today. Um, the kids would come around and quietly tell how their dad seems different. Um, the third thing you should know about using the Holy Spirit as a compass is um, he might convict you. And uh, in my case, there were some things that I felt convicted to tell Heather um, about my life. And we had to spend some time there with our marriage. And look, it was time that I would have rather spent changing my career, changing my circumstances. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you've got to get your marriage right before we do anything else. Um, so next bullet on this analogy, what else do you need to navigate a journey? You need skills and provisions. Um, if you started walking the Wonderland Trail tomorrow and you had a map and a compass and no food and water, you probably wouldn't make it very far. If you hadn't trained for the journey, um, a lot of things could go, could go wrong with that. There's parts of the Bible that I like the humanity in it. I think it was 2 Timothy. I didn't grab it for this, but where Paul mentions grab my cloak and my parchment paper, and there's something in that, like his stuff, like his, you know, he wanted his, he wanted his stuff. I don't, I don't know why. Um, and, and Paul uses um, lots of analogies that I wonder, I wonder what his life was like to make them, to, to make them come to his mind. And, and a, one of those is running. So um, 2 Timothy 4, 7 I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Galatians 5, 7, you were running a good race, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? So um, most people can answer this question, do you win a race by showing up on race day and saying, I'm going to race? In most cases, not. It's what you do leading up to race day that's going to predict how you're going to perform. How you perform on race day is a function of what you've done up to that point. And Paul actually mentions that, 1 Corinthians um, 9, 24, 27. Uh, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So um, some other background on me. Uh, before I went through kind of a, a spiritual change, I went through more of a physical change. I think we were living down in Sydney. The company had taken us down there. And I told Heather, I have to start running or I'm going to have a heart attack. I actually believed it. I needed something physical to offset the damage that my job was doing to, to my body. 
And I actually started running. Like I, I ran in the botanical gardens down there. It's kind of like this fairyland place where there's, you know, these colorful trees that you would never see in Washington and birds and these massive bats. They call them flying foxes. It was, it was surreal. Um, and we moved home in 2011, and a, a couple of things happened that, um, that got my attention. One, I had this doctor ever since I was a kid um, who doesn't mind yelling at me. And he showed me a graph of my weight and went like this. And he went on this tirade about me being a finance guy. I should understand graphs and charts. And this was bad. Um, there was another thing at work where a group uh, was doing a weight loss challenge. I wasn't, but somebody told me to get on the scale. And um, a trading desk is like a locker room, so don't show your vulnerability. So I got to hear plenty of things about my, my weight. And um, it was weird because, you know, I knew that I had started doing things to offset my, my physical circumstances at work, but it hadn't, it hadn't made a meaningful impact yet. Uh, it was Christmas 2012 that my brother and I decided to run in a half marathon. It's called Race for a Soldier. Heather's Aunt Leslie started this race in, in memory of her son and Heather's cousin Kyle, um, who had passed away. Um, he had PTSD. and. Uh, Steph and I said, yeah, let's run this. And a half marathon, for those that don't know, is 13 miles. It's, it's a long way. Um, and I wasn't really in a place where I could even run one mile at that point. So I started in January. And, um, and somewhere along the line, uh, I decided, look, I need, a, I need a check-in. So I also registered for Sound and Arrows, which is the oldest 12K in the state in Tacoma. That's uh, 12K is like seven miles. And when I was running that race, um, the interesting thing is how your mind works. Your brain is constantly telling your body to stop. You need to stop right now. Like, this isn't going well. And so there's another there. Let's run to that, and then we can stop. And this voice that was telling me to stop said, okay, you know, we can make it to that point. Then we'd make it to that point, and I'd keep running. And then after a while, this voice would be like, hold up, we were supposed to be walking now. And I'd be like, yeah, I know, but I felt like we had a little extra and we can make it to that next point. It was this constant, this constant dance to get me through it. Running is both awful and wonderful. Like for those, at least my experience, um, there's parts where every part of your body hurts. There's parts where your lungs are burning. There's parts where you feel like you could go on forever, where you're looking around and the sky is wonderful. Um, getting yourself in, in that kind of position to be able to do that is a daily routine. It's hydration, it's stretching, it's, it's a way of life um, that has to change. So it was probably late July um, 2018 that Heather and I dropped off Shaley at camp. We had a week of no kids. And, um, and I said, hey, look, there's no reason why we can't put God first this week. There's just no reason. And um, we thought things were going pretty good. Well, when we started praying, some more stuff started bubbling up. And we said, it was a lot like the doctor's office in that scale. I was like, wait a minute, I thought we were further along than this. There's still stuff here that we have to do? Like, we've been, we've been doing it, right? Well, kind of, but not really in a regimented way that was going to change the landscape of our life. So we started praying every day together, out loud, um, we started reading the Bible as part of a, a, a daily thing that we did. We went to counseling. You know, Jeff says healthy couples go to counseling. Um, I think that's true. 
um, there were things we did um, to change to change how we had been living um, to to make room for the Holy Spirit to work. Um, the next bullet I have is sometimes you have to leave things behind on a journey that you can afford to bring with you. Um, who in this room loves beer? That's me. Um, uh, guess who just turned 42 and didn't have a beer when he was 41? Also me. Uh, if you also raised your hand, um, I don't have a problem with you loving beer. In fact, Heather and I are going to sell it in our next business. Um, just know that I love beer more than you, and um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to not drink for a year. It wasn't just beer that the Holy Spirit asked me to, to set aside, you know. Um, that one in particular, he was asking me to for a while, and we can, <laughs> we can kind of get busy and not listen, you know, and go like, oh, I don't think he's really telling me that. It's like that voice when you're running, like, you know, like, no, he's, you know, he's, he's telling you to do that. He's telling you you can make it to the next post. Um, because what he tried to tell me was the, the battlefield's in your mind. And if the battlefield's in your mind, I don't want anything else there that you're running to. It's, it's, it's you and me. And um, I found that he stripped me of my vices. And uh, I had bad days, you know, like running, that I just had to endure and sometimes just me and the Holy Spirit. Um, and not only did he not rescue me from some of those situations, but to be honest, if somebody had come and claimed victory over me in that moment or, um, or hit me with some Christianese, um, it would have been hard to deal with. It would have been hard not to bite my tongue. Um, and uh, did you know that as a Christian you have permission to feel bad? You have permission to not understand what's going on. You have permission to be in pain. You know, I felt like I was tested. There were, um, there were days that were great, and I'd find that the enemy would point a finger at me and bring something up, something to condemn me. And um, the Holy Spirit didn't want me to defend myself. He wanted me to cling to him. Um, Philippians 4.12, Paul comments on this a little bit. He says... I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I didn't go back to look at the original translation. Um, NAV uses the word content. Uh, if you look up that definition, it means satisfied. And so thinking back at my, my situation, I was maybe in pain or uncomfortable, but I was okay. I knew it's exactly where the Holy Spirit wanted me to be. I was satisfied in that situation. You know, I think sometimes Christians, we want change. We want our prayers to be like, I'm a caterpillar, now I'm a butterfly. And I don't think that's the way the Holy Spirit works. I think, I think the Holy Spirit watches us as an egg and, and watches us you know, as a little worm eating a leaf, and then another leaf, and then another leaf. He watches us crawl up the branch. He watches us find a place to hang from and spin that cocoon one thread at a time. And he sees us in there when it's raining, when it's dark, when it's sunny. 
and then he watches us crawl out of there and watches us beat our wings. And I'm not saying the miraculous can't happen and doesn't happen. I'm just saying change in a, in a lot of ways. Um, it takes time and it's little steps along the way. Um, next bullet. Sometimes navigating won't take you in a straight, straight line. 20 years ago uh, in my university, they had a two-week course where you could sail. Um, it was called Education at Sea. And uh, I had the opportunity to be a deckhand on a 150-foot schooner. And near the end of the course, we were a couple of days out of San Francisco. We hit gale force winds. And the mate of my watch, this lady named Beth, she used to tell you to haul like a mammal on the sails. And you'd have to like haul these ropes. Um, she asked me if I wanted to steer the boat, if I wanted to take the helm. And I said, sure. And um, when you're on that kind of boat and that kind of wind, it's not 10 and 2. You know? She told me to go in a direction on the compass. This compass is a big glass ball that spins. And so I was holding it. And she said, Mike, hold my course. And I said, well, I am. And I looked down, and I, I wasn't. The, the wind was blowing me off course. So I found myself in a bit of a dance where you had to spin the wheel right maybe three times and watch that compass start to turn. And before it was back to the direction she wanted to go, I was already spinning back left. We were in this type of weather where you'd hit the bow of the boat would hit, and I was getting splashed. I was 150 feet in the back of the boat, and I was getting splashed from the water that the front of the boat was hitting. I think that's a lot like our Christian spiritual walks. Um, we live in this world that uh, is it's stormy. There's, there's a lot of, of elements hitting us, and it's not going to be a straight line. We have to navigate. Um, last, last it's, I ended that with, it's going to be messy, and that's okay. Um, last September, I had the opportunity to speak at the men's prayer breakfast, and I outlined part of this testimony to them. And I told them next February I was going to um, resign from my job, and Jeff had said, give them an assignment. And I said, pray that I'll find out what's next, and, um, and give me a definitive sign. Uh, it was a month before that or so that Heather had planted a seed for what our business would be. Um, it wasn't until December that we found out that this concept was something viable that, that we could do. And um, it wasn't until late January that we started vetting it. And a month later, I resigned. Um, after the men's prayer breakfast, before we had vetted this business, as it got closer to February, I started to feel nervous about the prospect of walking away and um, losing that corporate shelter that I was in. Um, and then uh, that started to change. That started to change as we went, no, this, this could work for us. I started to feel anxiety at the thought of staying and peace at the thought of leaving. And right before I resigned, I had this dream that I was in. It was kind of a dog kennel. It was this big wire cage. The door was open, and there was a voice. And I don't remember in the dream if it was audible or internal. But it said, I've told you it's OK to go. Why are you still here? That Sunday, James was actually speaking. We were in Judges. I don't know what he said, but I said, that's why I have to resign on Monday. And then he said something else, and Heather leaned over, and she said, that's why you have to quit your job on Monday. And I said, I know. <laughs> um, last bullet, if you stray off course, go easy on yourself. Uh, you serve a God that believes in do-overs. If you're not sure, read this. <laughs> uh, instead of beating yourself up, um, tell him what you did wrong. 
think back mentally like, wow, I, you know, I haven't struggled in this area in a long time. Why, why now? Think back, think back of how you got there so that you can train so that the Holy Spirit can help you put things in place to where that doesn't happen again. Uh, the last thing that I'll close with is um, Jeff alluded to the fact that this phase of Heather in my life is still an unfinished chapter. And um, people have asked me uh, if it'll be enough to support our family, what my role will be, if we'll do something else. And my answer has been, I don't know. Um, the Holy Spirit wants me right here doing this right now. When, when this gets to a certain point, we'll start answering that question or we'll know the answer to that question. But for right now, um, this is it. One of the things that drove me nuts about um, the corporate world is we'd have these meetings where 20 people would get in a room and then there'd be no action items. We'd leave and then we'd have the same meeting a week later about this thing because nobody had actually done any work. Um, so I believe in homework and action items. So if you're serious about making a personal change, Jeff has outlined this visit, vision that he feels that change is coming to the church. If you want the Holy Spirit to use you as part of that change, um, here's your homework assignment. Start praying about one thing. Pray on a regular basis. Pray daily. Pray out loud. Change your schedule. If you already pray, do something different. Start with something tangibly different and do it for a period of time. You and the Holy Spirit figure out how long that time is. Is it a week? Is it a month? Do something different and do it consistently and don't let yourself have any excuses. You can pray when you're throwing up. I've done it. You can, you can pray when you're getting yelled at at work. I've done it. Um, you can pray when you're talking to an HR guy at work. I've done it. Um, if you're not sure what to pray about, uh, I would say pray for clarity. There's a, Brandon Marshall joined our team last year. He didn't make it. He, um, he's not a Seahawk this year. But there's a great video about him and that word clarity and how it, how it impacted his life. Um, so uh, I'll pray, and then we'll let you go. Lord, uh, I think back to Jim Williams' sermon back on Memorial Day weekend, and he talked about the difference between conviction and condemnation and how conviction gives us an opportunity to do something. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And, and we have a response that's healthy, and condemnation is, is something that's accusing. If any of this came across as condemnation and not conviction, Lord, then I pray that uh, you do your work. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit's here for. It's, it's Jesus' ability to communicate with, with us in real time. And um, we thank you for this church, Lord, and we're so excited to see what changes you have in store for it. Amen. And scene. We're done.